Botik van de Zandschil. Welcome to No Challenges Remaining, episode 299J on day okay. five of the French Open. I'm Ben Rothenberg, joined by, for the 299Jth time, roughly, by my dear friend Courtney Nguyen. Hi, Courtney. What are numbers? What are, Honestly. What, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's like a weird Dewey Decimal System at this point where you can kind of go back and reinsert, you know, like and create new categories and just be like, no, but it's 100.01.94. Right. Okay, sure, I guess. You know, like... I don't know what that would even be, like, you know, Eastern Asian knitwear or something like really specific in terms <laughs> exactly. of how the, how the Dewey Decimals go. Love uh, the Dewey yeah. Decimal system. Big fan. Oh, I've big, always been big fans here on NCR. There's never been any doubt about that, I hope, among our listeners, but <laughs> artist supporters, we're true. we have we're, both been of the Dewey we're Decimal Dewey Dec- We're Dewey Decimal truthers, for sure. Dewey Decimal doers. <laughs> yes. So speaking of doers and decimals, uh, the field has been sort of decimated. 75% of the players are gone at this point after two rounds in the singles fields. Players who've won two matches are still in it, and we're setting up for the third round of the tournament on both the men's and women's sides. Uh, we're recording this during the tail end of Nadal versus Gasquet. We are confident that match is going to go how we think it will. Uh, if Richard Gasquet beats Rafael Nadal after never having come close to doing anything of the sort in his career, we then can this record will just segue into an set. Yeah, yes. it'll. Be, it's like in Among you know, in the game Among Us, when it's like emergency meeting, like it would be like that. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> very much that. Oh, I stopped playing Among Us though when they disabled the chat. Have you seen? This? Oh, did they They're disable like, the chat? Well, yeah, they made I'm it so you can only to play speak- with my cousins tomorrow. So it'll work fine with you're playing with friends. Like if you play with friends and like you're on a Zoom call or something, and that's how you do it, like that that works. But like. I played it a little bit to get Sidebar Among Us podcast. Like, I used to play a little bit and, like, to get in good. between rounds, they'd have the, the chat rooms, you know, like, they would, you'd be able to say, like, I, you know, I saw this do this. But now you can only, like, basically use, like, pre-written uh, statements that, like, I saw I why, what's insert about? name vent. And also you have to use the names, not the colors. It was just very confusing. I didn't like it. Mm, I stopped playing I don't for like those that. reasons. And granted, there was lots of dumb stuff in the chat. Usually, like, 14-year-olds being like, I want girlfriend, anyone? you know like like you don't meet girls on among us like okay i don't know Weird. how i don't know how it works in the chat maybe that well, does i've work never i've never played it with strangers so yeah. i've only played it with with friends and family so okay. but yeah. anyway anyhow on that front um or i don't even know that segue who's left among us in who this is left among us it's a good question let's start with the boys i feel like we usually give them a sh- sure. short shrift uh on the show Ugo, I'm looking at the top part of the draw here. So this is the Novak Djokovic quarter of the draw. Novak is still in it. Federer is still in it. Uh, one of the seeds to go out first round to not much fanfare, at least to me, which I was sort of disappointed to see this guy go out as early as he did. Ugo Umber out in the first round to Barankis. So Barankis will be the one who plays Novak Djokovic. Always more fun when you refer to Barankis as his Hurley-inspired nickname, Cardi B, for Ricardo yes. Barankis. Cardi B, it's one of the best nicknames in tennis. And there's two Italians in two of the sort of not the A-list Italians, like a Berrettini or a Senna or a Fanini, but Cecchinato and Musetti in the... Uh, Marco Cecchinato, Cecchinato, John, Cecchinato. Marco Cecchinato, who could play Djokovic in the fourth round, famously beat him in the quarterfinals in a few years back, and Djokovic went to room two after that. So, memories. And then we tore down uh, Court Philippe Chatrier, so <laughs> it worked out really well. It was it was a great series of events, honestly. All of it was fine. Any Anything <laughs> sort of stand out to you in this top section of the draw and we can include Federer in here too. Federer's in there. He plays Dominic Kupfer next. Kupfer beat Fritz, who was the top American. That title may change because both Isner and Opelka are still in the tournament in the bottom half. And Berrettini and, and Sun Wukwon are in here. I don't know. This feels yeah, no. Kind of... My big takeaway was I was bummed that, that Joe Wilfred Sanga got the farewell or didn't get oh, the farewell yeah. that, that he got um, just playing behind, basically behind closed doors late night. I, mean, I don't know. For a guy who's like the flagship the flagship Frenchman for so long and who's ostensibly playing his last role in Garros, is that right? Or is that Potentially. confirmed? Potentially. Potentially. Unconfirmed, yeah. but very possibly. Yeah, that was that was just a bummer, and they did kind of the same thing with with Suarez Navarro, yeah. you know. And she's not French, so okay, whatever. But yeah, it's it's a bit confusing 
the matches now that Roland Girls has night sessions, um, not just the formal night session of of the nine p.m. Chatrier match, yeah. but also just you lights. know indirect yeah lights and being able to play late, but then also having a nine p.m. curfew in Paris, which means that you're not going to have fans even if you're playing late. It's just kind of confusing some of the the late scheduling of of matches that seem like they would really benefit from from having some fans there and it just hasn't happened that way and it's hard in the first week you know you're, you're trying to cram a lot of matches in and you don't know how quickly or how slowly a court is going to move so you're, yeah. you're kind of racing time but um yeah that was that was kind of my my first round bummers i i kind of wanted something a little bit more for for songa there yeah and songa and suarez i totally agree with that as well just like i understand it's this weird thing right because i understand i want to put the big matches in prime time for like tv or even just later in the day being prime time but yeah, then they're even worse on TV because like the atmosphere is, is just kind of dead in there. And what's a Sangha match at the French Open without fans? Like that's that's not a Sangha match at the French Open. Yeah, I mean, even Serena, she was the first person to to play the night session on Chatre. And again, it it I've said this before on this podcast and other podcasts. Everybody always assumes that the night session is like what everybody's trying to get and that's the the slot of respect at all slams everybody's like oh they got 7 p.m on ash or you know 7 p.m on labor and things like that and yes but also like players don't want to be playing that late they just yeah. never do they, these who are likes working who, nights who likes working nights no one likes working nights like it screws up your whole sleep schedule most tennis players are morning people they like practice yeah. at eight o'clock in the morning it's really annoying like when you like you know you get on transport at 8 a.m and it's jam-packed full of people everybody's rushing to site loving waking up at six o'clock in the morning to get... anyways so yeah it's just the 9 p.m night session which i didn't realize was what they were doing until literally two days before the tournament mm-hmm. um because i hadn't looked into it i thought it was just going to be like a 7 p.m typical night session situation but 9 p.m to start a it's night very match, I don't late know. It's, 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 it's not even like you're it's not even like you're in espana or anything where they do this culturally yeah like what is this 9 p.m nonsense and the other thing what well, two things about this one, I've noticed they've done a lot of uh, putting Americans in this time slot. Serena Tennis was in channel. this time slot, obviously. But it makes sense, you know, time... And that's how, you know, the same way they put Barty and Osaka in, in first matches of the day, you know, because they're in, you know, many times it's ahead for their home countries. Makes sense you put Americans in the last slot when you can. So Serena was in the first one ever. You know, Djokovic was headliner, but he played against Sangren in the next one. And then Tommy Paul was in one. And then there's I think Nadal. tomorrow is... And then tomorrow is, is Isner. It's a past and, uh, Isner. Yeah. yeah. So... So maybe it's for American TV benefit, but again, during like a work day, like, who cares, honestly? This goes back to what would always happen to Andy Murray, particularly in North America, and I remember specifically at Indian Wells, he always got that disgusting 1 p.m., like noonish, like dead heat yeah. desert sun time slot because that was the prime time for for britain and i always just remember thinking like how much would it annoy you if your own home country was totally <laughs> screwing you over and like you know and it's kind of the same thing it's like it's great night sessions and yeah you're putting you know good matches obviously these aren't these aren't bad matches no. you know that they're 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 just all is a bad match but yeah well sure but it has it has marquee value it yeah, has all these yeah. things but um, yeah, it's it's one of those where like if I was an American and I was slotted in there and I knew that I was slotted in there pretty much only because like my home rights holder wanted me there. And I was like, why am I playing until one o'clock in the morning? I'd be so annoyed. <laughs> very, very fair. Federer is here. He's still around. Bertini is still around. I don't see too much else to talk about in this part. So we'll go on to another person who I was sad to see go in the first few rounds in this next quarter, the Nadal quarter, Gail Monfils lost relatively meekly to Michael Emer in four, uh, was lost like 11 or like nine out of 10 games from four, two up in the third set to like really have that match collapse on him. He looked at control and then all of a sudden he wasn't and he just hasn't had a, a great year. So it, it would have been fun to see Emer, sorry, it would have been fun to see Monfils play against uh, center in the next round, but instead it'll be Emer. There's a good joke by uh, Raul Ruberti, you remember from from Rome, who had a little screenshot of that section of the jaw that was like, sort of had like a Daft Punk setup, and then it went, Sinner, Mager, Emer, and then it was supposed to be Sangha, but it was Malfi's, so anyway. Oh. Appreciated that. Um, I said it was supposed to be Sangha. Like, that's the better joke if it's Sangha, it's the fourth name in the Daft Punk uh, situation. Mm, don't see much else here to discuss. So Carlos Alcaraz? Al- Alcaraz? Yeah, Alcaraz, that's right. Alcaraz in the he next came section through? here. 
beat Nicholas Bazlashvili. Into the third round. Rublev losing is surprising here in the rest of the section. Rublev ah. losing the first round to Struff. That's, that's, a, that's a pretty decent size surprise. And that kind of thins out what had been looking like a, a potentially relatively tough draw for Nadal, someone he lost to in Monte Carlo and Rublev, and who's, you know, a big hitter. Struff takes him out in five. A big surprise, biggest surprise in this section for me is, is Philip Kohlschreiber on protected ranking beating Aslan Karatsev. That was, that's, that's that was surprising. weird. That was surprising. Yeah, no, I, di- I didn't quite understand that one. Lloyd Harris beating uh, Lorenzo Sanego, who you informed me made a Masters semifinal. Yeah, in, in, yes, he made the <laughs> a few of weeks Rome. ago. That is so right. on paper, that one surprised me on clay uh, yeah, in the first round in straight sets. Cam so Nori that who made kind the third of... round. Yeah, Cam Nori made what made the Lyon final, uh, I think, a couple weeks ago. Sure. He plays Nadal. If but you yeah, say so. Yeah, you're right. But Sonego going out early is is a little surprising. And yeah, they're, like we didn't mention Musetti beating Goffin in, in straights in the. Yeah, I, in, I just in say it in, in terms of that that rough a quarter of oh, this is a tough you know quarter and all these. It it is thinning out just a little bit. A little bit. I mean, a little bit. Just a little bit. I mean, I not that anybody was worried about Sonego Nadal or anything or, you know, uh. Yeah, Karatsev maybe in there, maybe potentially, but um, or or Rublev, but but yeah, it's it's thinning out a little bit to where it's it's a little less uh, panic stations. I think if you are a particularly sensitive Nadal fan, yeah, which so many of them are, I'm just like, why? Like it's fine. Dude, you're Nadal at the French Open. It could not could not be safer. Leave them alone. Let them have their let them have their fretting. It's okay. It's okay. I say it's Sometimes five it's ball fun. In the second versus Gasquet. <laughs> he is coming back. As you were uh, saying you know. it before, I was like, hmm. Anyway, yeah. I mean, he's make, he's playing a, a decent set. Let's not go too crazy here. It's not time best for an of, emergency meeting quite yet. Best of five. No, don't pull the trigger just yet. Even if no. you saw a Gasquet vent. Uh, bottom half. Sus. Very sus. Very sus. Gasquet. Uh, bottom half features. Uh, Batista losing to Henry Loxanen is a surprise. That's 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 not something you see coming. Even if he's not the best on clay compared to other surfaces, he's more of a hardcore grass court kind of guy. Batista on typically Spanishly, and then Dominic Team, we mentioned this in the first day show because he allowed a day one loss, but he lost to Pablo Andujar in five, and then Andujar then lost to Del Bonus in the next round. I was just kind of a letdown for all the big Pablo fans. Because Pablo, I mean, Pablo is kind of like, I feel like before, his peak was before NCR time. I feel like he was very much a 40 deuce kind of guy, right? Forty. He was definitely a 40 deuce guy. Like we, we Can you explain Pablo. the circa 40, 40 deuce Pablo persona? He just was a very nice guy. He's very handsome. Mm-hmm. So he was easy to put pictures on and create mythologies around and things like that. He was incredibly, and he's a very nice guy just on tour. I think as I was just starting to be on tour, um, right around then and being in the press rooms and just talking to people who work in tennis and stuff. They were just like, he's a really lovely guy. Um, so he was always kind of for the longest time, like my favorite Spaniard. So it was, it's been fun, this weird three week Pablo Andahar renaissance that, that he's enjoyed. And I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm, I'm real into it. A totally unproblematic fave. I would feel like from everything about Andahar. So that speaks well for him. Unlike some others in this section, we'll move on to the bottom quarter which is the quarter that had lots of Americans in it. And it was looking for a while there uh, yesterday. There could be all Americans getting through to the into the third round of this bottom eighth, the Medvedev eighth, when Tommy Paul was up a set on Medvedev, right. former junior former junior French Open champ Tommy Paul. So like not somebody who'd be overlooked. He on played play, some nice points. I no, watched he's, a he's little a solid, bit of those. Yeah, he's a nice player to watch. Tommy yeah. Paul is like is definitely like a very not. It was a very fluid game. I, I was at his French Open Junior Final. He played it. He beat Taylor Fritz. Is he lefty? No. Or am I making he, that up? Okay. But he, he he definitely played some, like, there were a handful of, like, really nice, very long, well-constructed, and also, like, dynamic points that he played yeah. against Medvedev that I was like, oh, okay, because I haven't watched him probably ever. ever. Not ever. I mean, not you, ever. You didn't know I'm if he was left or not, far. so I'm not going to say you've watched him too much, but that's, I haven't know, watched that's him fair. a lot. That's for sure. Um, but uh, but yeah, no. So that was that was cool to see just um, him being competitive with Medi for a bit there. And then the most surprising, uh, Opelka won, got the NCR bump through Munar, uh, plays Op- Medvedev next. One correction, I said this on the Opelka show in the intro to it, but I definitely underplayed Opelka's record against Medvedev. The two times that Medvedev beat him was like third set tiebreak adjacent kind of match. they were like long tight matches and then Mev- and then Opelka actually beat Medvedev in St. Petersburg last year indoors. So I see I knew and there was I, something. I know, I know. 
I feel you. Absolutely. Bro- broken, so, broken clock right every once in a while. But, but I feel yes. like Medvedev, Medvedev kind of breaking the duck at the French Open, or as they say in French, you know, probably romp le canard or something like that. You know, it would be... <laughs> I think once he's done that, I feel like the sort of French Open ghosts are gone from it. It's like, you know, when like Zhang Shuai finally won a Grand Slam yeah, match yeah, and then and point. then she made the quarters of that tournament. So yep. I feel like his his confidence has got to be good. Uh, the rest of the section was kind of nuts, too, because Christian Guerin saved two match points, I think, in the third set against Mackenzie McDonald, including one on return or one on, you know, McDonald's serve, won 8-6 in the fifth and they kicked the fans out of the stadium at, at nine o'clock and they were all cheering still through the fence like not that was <laughs> not intense leaving. it was it was that a was lot intense. and then yeah. uh so that was that was rough for for Mackie to lose that one and then marcos giron was down in the first round down five one or one five on his serve love 40 to dimitrov and then oh yes i heard about and this. then dimitrov and then and giron was saying I, I didn't see this match but giron was saying that it won, in one of those match i actually pull, could pull up the video but Giron was saying in one of the match points, like, Dimitrov had an open for like, kind of an open put-away forehand and, like, missed it by an inch. And, like, the match could have been very over. And then Dimitrov's having back issues and seized up, and he lost the next nine games in a row and then retired down 3-0 in the, in the, in the fourth. So that's just a, that's a brutal match. And Giron, we don't like, you know, we don't like to, to see it. Alive. And then, and yeah. then just thinking, you know, if you're a commentator on the world feed or whatever, calling Giron Garin, you, you stick to the first names in that in that one. That's 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 tough. Giron Garin. What about if you're calling Davidovich Fokina against Bob Vandeslav? <laughs> Sorry, I can't even say it <laughs> without laughing. That's the first time I tried to say that. <laughs> so we're gonna have a brief interlude here. This this player lost, uh, sadly, after beating Hubie in the first round. I know. I lost in the second round in five. <laughs> There's been a lot of discussion on the media group chat about this guy. Not really his, as a player. Not sure anyone's really sure what he looks like or anything, but he has a remarkable name. And we're going to let NCR's um, uh, Dutch Lowlands and Caucasian Highlands correspondent, David Avakian, give you a pronunciation guide for the name of this player, uh, who Courtney affectionately just calls. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Bob Van, <laughs> it's so funny. Bob Vandeslap. So, but here is here is uh, David Vakian. I'm gonna put this on a loop. We're gonna hear it like six times. Here you go. Botik van de Zonschulp. 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 Beautiful language, Dutch. Beautiful, beautiful language, language. Beautiful language. It kills me. And it's not, I mean, I just want to make it clear. It's, I'm not, I'm not trying to disrespect him or his name. We're genuinely trying. I asked David because I was like, how does, how is it pronounced? Because it shouldn't be how I think that it's pronounced. Like, I need to actually hear it. I just have genuine concern as this, as, as Botich continues to get better and play more often. Yeah. It's, how it's are Botic. People... It's not Botich. Oh, Botic. Like, That's it's right. Not like it's not like a Serbian thing. Yeah. That's right. Botic. Uh, how, how, how commentators are going to do it? Because I really do feel like you're going to need a Dutch person to say that right. I don't know that like in Eng- in English that w- we can pronounce it accurate, like properly. I feel like it's feel really like difficult. Definitely... Yeah. I think you got to go like BVDZ or like, you know, Bovan Dazan or something, which again kind of sounds like some sort of you know beta blocker that you'd see advertised on the nightly <laughs> news. I don't know. It's just it's tough. I think that's going to be one of the. Tr- I think that is hands down the trickiest name for the next decade. It's that's that's a lot of names. Well, of his, names. his and and Tessa, French Tessa. Oh, Andrew Andrew Fit Remo. Just rolls I feel up like tongue. I feel like you dropped at least three syllables in no, there. I feel like Andrea, there were three Andrea, more. I, I feel like I there were three more syllables. Ready for that. I find Andrea, her. Andrea, I find it. Out. I find that tricky. There's also the um uh. Valentini. His results have been better than hers. Her her results have not been like yes, but there's also Val- Valentini in Greece. Oh, grab the cockaloo. Yeah, which no, his I'm is a, still his is still more difficult than both of I those. Say, I say these things as a I'm not necessarily nailing pronunciations in terms of like being authentically ethnic, but I do know how to spell tennis names. Is one thing I I do in the spelling. Oh, spelling, so spelling is spelling is not. I mean, we're writers; we can spell yeah. them. I'm saying yeah. that if if I was a commentator or a uh, a chair umpire, but I think Valentini, Gramatikopoulou, and both and Tessia, Tessa Andriandra Fit Remo are both. They're kind of, as much as it sounds like they're kind of pronounced how they look. You know, like if you actually yeah, yeah. slow down, like they're both. You can sound it like out. That. That's yeah. why I just feel like Baltic. You can't if you if you sound it out. It's not going to sound at all like what it's actually say, 
sounding like. But so thank you anyway, again. Sorry. Thank you again to David for his pronunciation guide, which we'll rely on frequently. Have we ever to mention him again? We just have a, a botic button. Botic button to say the name so that it so that it goes uh, and plays a little MP3. I do yes. think in terms of looking forward in this draw, I mentioned I think actually both of the big American matches in this draw I think could be close. I think Isner's playing well. Uh, Isner's been very sharp through two rounds. Broke Karinovich three times in one set and plays Sitsipas in the third round. That's a potentially dangerous match for Sitsipas just because I always say with Isner at the French Open like. He take he makes it non tennis out there a lot of times. And I think it's possible to win, but it's a, something to flag as we move on to the women. The women's draw, obviously, the big news of today, which we, this was really a day five show. We'd be talking about this news more at the top, but uh, Ash Barty, unsurprisingly, people who heard her in her first round press post match press conference, Ash Barty pulls out in her second round match against Magdalenette down six one two all in the second so it wasn't like it was trending it wasn't trending totally against her i think there's one question in press it was like but things were going okay in the second set like on the scoreboard but she was like she was not feeling great she didn't want to go into details so basically said at some point that she came down wrong or badly or just yeah, got her i don't know if it was bad or just like unlucky that she got him down on a serve in practice and hurt her right her left hip and yeah, made it through the pair match, but you and, and other people were in her press conference. I wasn't at her first round press conference. I read the transcript later, but you and other people who were in there came out of being like, oh, she, that's, no, it's came out really pessimistic about her, uh, her tournament. Yeah, no, I think that, in, and even I think that if you watch the first round match against Para, you saw it as well. I mean, she was up 5-2 and then just something happened and, and it just felt like after that, she wasn't pushing into her serve. She was rolling over everything and really banking on her match management and hoping that she was going to get, you know, that Para would 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 feel the moment mm -hmm. in the non awesome Christina Aguilera way. Yeah. Um, and and which she did um, and really kind of uh, let off the gas in the end to, to let Ash win that match. But her post match, even when she was on court and I think either talking to um, Fabrice Santoro or, or Marion Bartoli, there was like a, there was a catch in her throat. I remember listening to her and being like, that's, she's, this is, and it's Ash, you know? Yeah. So you're like, I was like, a pretty wow, stoic figure generally. Yeah. yeah. And there was just a little bit of emotion as she was talking through after that win. And then in her post-match press conference, she was very, I mean, open about it of saying like, I'm not a hundred percent. And again, that's not a very Ash thing to say. No. She's very much somebody who's just not going to talk about injuries, not going to like at the Australian Open, she like refused to talk about the leg that she had been strapped up. And yeah. so everything was pointing to this is bad. This is bad enough that Ash is talking about it openly. And she said straight up, she's like, it's going to be a tough week. You know, and so and it was and, and that's what it looked like. They pulled out a double, she and, and Jen Brady. So, yeah, it just it wasn't surprising at all but it was it was very ash though that her two retirements you know these are you know the one that came against coco she was leading in the score mm. and she pulled the rip cord for her arm and then this one she got to 2-2 two -two and then pulled the rip cord there's like almost like this weird aussie like ash thing of kind of like i just want it to be clear even though she was down a set obviously to lynette yeah. but like I'm not pulling it because I don't think I can win. Because I'm losing actively, it's, yeah. Exactly. It's because I'm not well. And mm -hmm. I knew, I know, you know, and she said that it got to the point where it was unsafe. That was the word that she kept um, yeah. using. So I just feel, I just feel really, really, really bad for Ash. And a lot of today yeah. I've been thinking about a lot, you know, we talk about talent. We talk about all these things that make up grand champions and great players and things like that. And so much of it is timing and luck. And when no, we so talk much. about... So and we so talk much. about this so much when we talk about Serena and twenty and getting twenty three already, yeah. like it's not just about like to do that. Like it's an incredible feat because it's not just about right. you're the best tennis player on on the planet for two weeks. Like so many things have to go right. You have to not get injured. You have to like everything has to align for seven matches. Yeah. And so for Ash to to play as well as she had during the clay season, come in in form, healthy. You know, she was all fine until this, until the weekend um, before the tournament. Um, that's got to hurt. And then to compound the hurt is the fact that, you know, if you know Ash, every day of clay is a day closer to the grass season. That's her, that's her joy is the grass yeah. season, which has already been shortened by a week. And now she has to race to try and get better in an injury that is not something she's ever had before. She said, this is not yeah. something I'm familiar with. We don't really know what this is. So 
yeah, if even if that means that she can't play as many grass tournaments as she wants, that's a bummer for Ash. Like, yeah. And hopefully it doesn't it doesn't extend to having to miss Wimbledon. But um, yeah, it's just it, you know, for somebody who did it all right, you couldn't have asked for more from her. The you yeah. know the last uh, you know three months, uh, it's it's a heartbreaking result for her. No, I, I saw people <laughs> saying both sides of nonsense. They were like, oh, she overplayed, like, this year. She played too many tournaments. I'm like, no, you just came down bad on a serve. That We have no reason to think that's the reason. And someone else was like, well, this is what happens when you have a long layoff and take a year off. Like, oh, my gosh, also wrong, because she's been playing <laughs> consistently for, like, a year now. If, yes, if you want to say, like, the thigh strapping in Australia was that, maybe you can go with that. But this, you know, this far into the season, absolutely no. not. And also, I mean, like, when we talk about her schedule – like, what are we saying that she shouldn't have played? You know, she lost second round she in Charleston. Premieres. I mean, she yeah. lost second round in Charleston. Maybe normal season, she doesn't play Charleston, right? You go to Miami, maybe she flies home and then, you know, goes straight into Madrid, straight into Madrid, Rome. But there's no Indian Wells this year. Yeah, too. But there's so. no Indian Wells this year. She's been hearing all of the, you're not a real number one. Naomi yeah. should have been number. There's a lot of things going on with it. And plus, like, what is she going to do? She can't go back to Australia. What she's just gonna sit around and the do only, nothing? Like, yeah, she and played skip slightly, tournaments. I mean. slightly elective tournaments, if you want to even call them that, in in Charleston and Stuttgart. But like those are right. big tournaments with, with pristine fields and or you know prestigious fields, maybe pristine if you want them to be too. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so anyway, I don't think there's no indication at all that Ash did anything. This wrong. is bad this luck. Was, this was just shit, this was bad shit luck, luck for her, and yeah. it sucks for her because we all know how much she wants this. And and again, seeing her, like you said, the visible emotion from her. You know, in, in a week, it's all been about reading emotion. Like, it's been, uh, it was pretty clear to see how, how out of character and how, how rattled she was by this, which was just tough to see. So yeah, the writing, Nett, the writing was yeah. on the wall, for yeah. sure. Magd Magdalene advances to the third round then, where she'll play Angeber, who had a really good first round win against uh, Putin Sava 5-2, and two, and a very, one of the circleable first round matches, for sure. And then the winner of Lynette Jabur gets the winner of two Americans. Uh, both of them are trending up in this year, at least, big picture. Jen Brady and Coco Goff. Jen Brady having a really good win, uh, really uh, one of the tougher tougher second rounds for sure, against Fiona Farrow, and Golf beating Krunich and Wang Chung to get to this point. Any thoughts on what you've heard from this match between Br uh, Brady and, and Golf? Because it kind of feels like a little bit. I mean, I think whoever wins that match will probably be the favorite going into the fourth round against uh, Lynette or Jabur. Yeah, no, I, I I mean, very impressed with Jen Brady. Um, just recently she split with, with Michael Gesserer. She's working with Brad Stein, who coaches Tommy mm -hmm. Paul as well. So not really knowing what to expect from her going into this. And, and I have to tip my cap to, to Alex McPherson, who brought this up, um, in our, our company chat today of just kind of like Jen Brady, kind of the queen of coming out of like kind of tough circumstances and playing pretty well, you know, hard lockdown in Australia yeah, good point. makes the final. And then here, you know, not coming in with very much confidence and, you know, splitting with the coach after Rome, it, this hasn't really been that, that, um, long that, you know, she's, she's had this split. She said she practiced with Brad once before her first round match. So it mm. wasn't like, you know, she's kind of going in blind uh, and gets the win over Sevastova in the first round. That's not an easy first round match. And then, and then, yeah, really had to battle Fiona Farrow and the French crowd. It was, it was a fun atmosphere out there yeah. on Samoma too. So that was fun, but to get that win. So lots to like with Jen Brady. She comes in, no expectations, you know, all that. And, and Coco's playing great. I mean, there's there's a very, very strong argument that she's the favorite to make the semi coming out of this top quarter now that that Barty is out. And even after Barty's first round win that she scraped through past Para, I mean, Goff kind of became the one for me to watch. Now, that was before we saw kind of Sloan really lock in, um, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, in a little bit. Yeah. And obviously, mm -hmm. Krachikova's in there, Svitolina, Mukhova. It's a tough section. Um, but but I've just been really impressed with Coco throughout the entire clay season. I think she's played really, really well. She's managing things well. Her serve is online. Tough one. Tough, tough, tough one to call, but but I like I like how Coco's approaching these matches right now. I think all of this top quarter is tough to call. We'll, we'll scooch down to the second section, just the Svitolina eighth and of the draw. And this is yeah. And this goes to depth, and I'm sure that we'll keep talking about this because for as much as you know, there was all this talk about this is the first time the top two seeds at Roland Garros are out before the third round. I'm like, that's an illusory stat. Neither of them completed a match, like yeah. to beat to exit, mm -hmm. like so, and extenuating circumstances on this one, guys. So. Yeah. 
you know, but um, as much as there's that, you know, Kvitova's out, Andrescu, a lot of a lot of seeds and a lot of top players. But then when I sit down, I actually like look at what we it's have. Not, certainly not. It's in this not part shattered. Of the we'll, get to, we'll get to the bottom quarter. We'll, we'll talk about quarter, the bottom quarter. But, but even then, I'll make my argument. Yeah. But but yeah, yeah, it's it's not as shattered as one would expect. Is my so, point. So this next section mentioned you mentioned Sloan. Let's start with Sloan. Sloan goes out, plays unbelievably high quality matches, first round match. Like I did not know what to expect from Carla. Suarez Navarro after coming back from beating Hodgkin's lymphoma. Honestly, just I thought it'd be kind of like just happy to be here kind of match. And she'll go get, you know, a gentleman's two and three out there with Sloan and and call it a day. But she played really well. Like she looked yeah. like she was really fit, really strong. The backhand was flowing for that being her first competitive match. Like I was super impressed. And she came close to winning that match. It was within two points of winning it. Had uh a was up 30 love and double faulted when she was two points away. And then that gave Sloan a little bit of, of life that she took advantage of. And Sloan was great too. Sloan looked super fit and like the quality in both of Sloan's first two matches. And I wrote about Sloan for the times this week. So I was more honed in on her than otherwise would be in the rough year she's had, but like Sloan looked real dang good in this. She she's found like, her oh, she's, she's my MVP of like the first two rounds of this tournament on either tour. That's like in fair. terms of like who's exceeded expectations the most, it'd be Sloan Stevens. Yeah, no, that that's totally fair. And and I've been really high on Sloan since Charleston. I just I know that everybody like wakes up and they look at the scores and they're like, oh, she lost this or she lost that or whatever. But if you actually were watching her matches, she was absolutely trending up. You know, she's been a lot more open about kind of talking about what she's gone through this year, which is, mm -hmm. I mean, been absolutely tragic and and really brutal. And, and Ben's um, piece, I think, captured it really well for The Times but her tennis has been better and her and just everything. And so it felt like this result was coming, whether or not it would come here. I wasn't sure, but it, she was definitely trending up. And it was there was this moment in her match against Carla where I think she was down on the scoreline and all of a sudden she found her forehand. She decided to just finally, you know, we always talk about racket head speed with with yeah. Sloan footwork and racket head speed. And she just was really just swinging the racket and the forehand looked just like thunder, which we know she can do, especially on clay when she has time to load yeah. and really lean into it. So it's it's great to see, and and um, I've I've I'm here for a Sloane Stevens glow up for sure. Um, not going to be easy. Very tricky draw for her no, with, with Mukova, and then either Krachikova, who obviously we talk about Barbara a lot because you and I are both kind of keyed into her trajectory and her story mm -hmm. a lot but she's now won nine of her last 10 matches and her two losses her last two losses one was she had match points on Svantec in Rome and yeah. the other one was I think she lost to Bedosa first round Madrid yeah like she's not taking bad losses right now so that's a really interesting one to circle is is that third rounder with Svitolina who we just you know we can always count on Alina but we also sometimes can't and so it's always a bit of a, a tough a tough call but very interesting section there because also Mukhova who just shows up to big tip events and wreaks havoc so yeah I don't know Svitolina is not somebody you can really paint into I mean obviously that lost less than a year ago at the French Open to Podoroska in that quarter that still still sticks with me in terms of assessing her but yeah but all four of these of these women you can make a case for them but she's just still obviously you know super you know she's a top five player or top yep. five seed at least and so yeah, you can't dismiss her either. This is a really, really good section of the draw. Stevens will give up Krejcikova's Fidelina and whoever the fourth round, whoever comes out of that permutations would be good as well. The next quarter of the draw is actually one top player I think we all sort of were cautious around or sort of, you know, not bullish on in, in Sonia Kennan, who has been pretty solid. That first round match against Ostapenko, that was a tough match. That was a match that felt like... I know people say, like, it feels like a deeper round of a slam, like, is a cliche for first rounds. But that one did, it had, like, really good intensity to it. Like, both of them seem to have a lot of belief. And Cannon comes through uh, three in the third and backs it up with a win over Haley Baptiste, who I've been very bullish on. And is in the third round against Pagula. And she's one of those players where, you know, even if you're not feeling confident or, like, don't have a ton of self-belief, like, once you start winning, like, you're, you, it comes, you can't deny that you're winning, you know? And I feel like it's... She could be building something potentially this tournament, and she says or not, that, or not, but or she not. Could be. But she, but she is. That has been her mantra yeah. since Australia. Every time you talk to her, since she hasn't been winning matches, she's like, "I know that I can arrive to a tournament and be absolutely terrible and play myself into form." She's like, "I did it at the Australian Open. I did it at Roland Garros last year. Like, I know that I can do that. I just I need those matches. I need to get yeah. to the second week, you know." And so. 
that's a really interesting one. Ken and Pagula. Pagula, who's figuring out how to play on clay, who, you know, is into the third round for the first time. You know, relatively easy early draw with Zhu Lin and, and, and uh, Martinsova, but, you know, managed it, took care of business. And she led Kenan when they played at the Melbourne 500, can't remember which one, in, in February. Let her like a set and four one, and mm. and Kenan was able to come back. But but Jesse, that match is in her head, and it was one of those matches where she's like, I should have won that match. Yeah, maybe I don't know if she thinks that you know on clay, but I think that she's she's figured out how to how to do some damage here. So interesting one there. It's just been cool all year, Pagula, seeing her continue to consolidate and back up and justify runs that I think from the outside would have been easy to dismiss as kind of fluky potentially. But she's she's solidly solidly top thirty player. She's on. She's in this really tight Olympic race that's going on with the for the fourth American spot with her, Coco, Goff, and Madison Keys all very closely packed together. Allison was kind of dropping out of that conversation with the, her withdrawal. Yeah, so there's a lot to a lot to play for there. And then the other part of this draw, which I think is just, you know, two players, again, I look at, I'm like, how are you both ranked, like, this low with how good you've been? And obviously there's some, you know, some lumpy parts of this and some air pockets in this, uh, in the rankings as they still are sort of thawing out. You know, with I think let's say like Burton's being higher than she probably should be results wise, and Pliskova even being higher. Conta. Conta. Yeah. Conta for sure. Yeah, but you know, yeah, people, folks know what I mean. So, and you could even say it. Well, not Kenan yet because she still obviously has a French Open final, but her results this year have been not good. But Sakari and Merton's playing each other for the. They know, haven't played top. a lot. I think you saw the question was my. It was my question to I think Eliza, and I said okay, like you guys yeah. haven't played very often, which is surprising given age and whatever. And she said, yeah, I think it's because we're ranked. We've always been ranked kind of around the same place. So we just mm. don't come up against each other in draws. Like, right. you know, I was like, oh, that's good logic, Eliza. Yeah, makes sense. <laughs> but they're both just like such solid top 20 pros. And that's, that should be a solid match. And I would think, honestly, whoever gets out of that match, I would probably make um, a slight favorite over whoever gets out of this other match, the Pagula Kenna match. I think that just they're both you know, players who have probably a lot of confidence are trending and, and we'll see what Kenan does, especially if it's Kenan. We'll see how she, if she like, if Kenan turns up and like, you know, double bread six Pagula and like sends a message that she's like here, like, okay, we'll reconsider. But at this point, again, another really, really, you know, good kind of open quarter where I could see, you know, a lot of paths for, for all four of them, which is not the case segue in the next quarter, because I feel like what Iga Sviantek is doing to people <laughs> is like, she practiced with Rafa pre-tournament as famously and or she hit with Rafa I don't think it was really a full practice but she hit with Rafa a bit and she hit him into form I mean look at exactly. him Bagel and Rick Shushard Gasquet I tell you I tell you she's gonna be like what is that 7-5 <laughs> she's gonna text him like come on come on uh but Sviantek is like if Sviantek does this year finishes what she's starting here and does this year what she did last year like really just like rolling then I'm going to start thinking of her as like Nadal at the French Open on the women's side because like she just has this way of looking of looking so much better than people. Like people look silly against her. Yeah, that's on the clay. thing. And so I, I would get it's kind of funny that she's the last name to hit in this top half because I kind of get to her um, just from a top to bottom level, and it's like oh well everyone else is irrelevant because Iga's here. And she's she's going <laughs> to she's going to kill all y'all. Now, your vibe about her is is right in terms of she has that ability to make people look bad because that's it, it, at Roland Garros. I mean, well, she can do it anywhere, really. But Double um, big but, on the Rome final, yeah. Exactly. Um, but uh, at Roland Garros, that's what Rafa does, right? And when yeah. I think about, you know, there's, there's, you know, there's Simona and just everything that she's done on clay, we consider her in a lot of ways the best player on clay. So just out of consistency and just her affinity for it, her love for it. You know, she's won pretty much all the big titles on it, et cetera, et cetera. But um, Simona, when she plays well on clay, you never really think, oh, she's making the other player look bad. She, you, you're watching, you're like, Simona's just great on clay. Like, you know, like she just looks like she knows what she's doing and da-da-da-da-da, and the other player is not up to the task. Whereas with Shviantek, when she does it, you're just like, well, how, how, how are you supposed to beat that? I mean, like, that that's incredible. And, and Or like, why can't you do what she's doing? Because she's doing something that you're yeah, not doing. Like, why are you not doing that? Yeah. I would highly recommend that everybody, if you just want to giggle, to pull up Iga's um, record at Roland Garros career. Because she's only lost one match. Mm-hmm. Because when she made round of 16 and lost to Simona, love and one, that was her first main draw appearance at Roland Garros. Hasn't lost a match. Hasn't lost a match since. And just look at the scores. Because she I saw a stat that in the last few years, she's lost an average of 3.8 or 3 point something games per match. Per match. Like, that's good per set. 
And she's doing I mean, it per match. She's lost three sets of tennis in her career at Roland Garros. The weird thing is, because um, she went three sets against Puig. Right. Okay, round yeah, before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Puig bageled her. So she's lost three sets. In those three sets that she, she lost, won she won game. one game. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of funny. So, so, yeah, so, so. so if Iga wins two games in a set, she's undefeated. She's undefeated. Sets, undefeated at there's, your, there's your stat of the so day. We'll keep an eye on her, but I think she's increasingly, especially, I think the narrative is shifting to her with, with Barty. And Osaka was not And she looks confident. Very, yeah, but like she looks In she press looks calm, conferences, composed, she looks everything. so yeah. composed and really open to talking about like kind of what's going on in her head and just seems like very contained. And it's super interesting because her sports psychologist, um, Daria Abramovitz, um, is not allowed in the stadium uh, because for the first only... week, oh, that'll change for the so. first week, that'll change yeah. in the second week. So um, the funny thing is that so if you're walking around Roland Garros and Iga Svantec is playing, just look around, you're probably going to see Daria Abramovitz sitting on a bench. <laughs> or hanging out next to the crepe stand, or maybe sitting on a little piece of concrete next to a player, which would be Iga, going through their like post-match debrief because she can't go into the stadium to do it in the warm-up area and behind the, the behind the scenes until yeah. the second week. Um, so I've been impressed that Iga has been able. I, I feel like that's a quite a big curveball to throw a defending champion. Like you can't have like your secret weapon. Like you it was know, pretty routine but, oriented too as a, as a player. You yeah, know, it definitely had that sort of that vibe she was she was cultivating last year. Yeah. So, but uh, but no, she looks she looks great. But we'll see. Contivate. She's lost twice to Contivate. They had yeah, a, I was gonna, I was gonna that, add that that epic Australian Open match 2018, 19, 2019 fall or um, 2020, 20, right? Twenty nineteen. Did they do it twice? Oh, maybe tw you're right. It was 2020 because then she would win uh, Roland yeah. Garros. Yes, yes, yes. Um, it, was when, yeah. it was the match where there was all debate about pronunciation of her name. Ah. Uh, Fair. Anyway. Uh but yeah, it was but it was a tough three setter. It was a tough loss for her. So, mm -hmm. you know, Contivate is she's very well aware of how and difficult Contivate, of a matchup it is. Oh Contivate, she Contivate killed Milenovich real good today. That was quick. Lost only twenty three points. Beat the curfew over on uh over on Long Long. Second shortest second yeah. shortest match of the tournament so far, I think. And yeah. the second set, the second set, which was six love, was the short the sort ah. The shortest complete set played at the go. tournament so far. Zenovich said afterwards she wasn't feeling well, so I don't know what exactly was going on there, but that was that was decisive, that match. The bottom half of the draw features, just we'll go top down again, Serena Williams, the seventh seed here in this quarter, uh, has looked pretty good overall. I think not like amazing, but pretty good. Uh, I really like her, her green outfit, I got to say. The shoes are, you know, busy, but the, the outfit's good. And uh, she played B2 Romanians, Begu and Buzernescu, to set up what should be hope, hopefully a potentially very <laughs> popcorny third round against Danielle Collins. Um, Love to see someone it. Doing a, a mashup of the of the various commands, uh, but yeah, Collins has looked good. You know, I, I don't know if we talked about her on the draw show talking about coming forward about having you know endometriosis and the difficulty and pain that had been causing her. Anyway, she gets through the section that originally had had Kerber, who went out relatively meekly to Kalinina in the first round. And yeah, that could be a, a fun match because if if Collins is is peaking, you know, she's she's amazing. We all know and, I mean, Pete Collins is sort of becoming. I hope is becoming going towards obviously the the highs aren't as high, but you know, so, generating towards a Pete Pierce sort of sort of legend. Pete Collins. <laughs> oh my, is, is, is Pete Collins is, is great, but but yeah, I mean, but they did play in in February. Yeah, it was uh, good. A, yeah, and it was a very good match, and and it was decided just on that, it, yeah. yeah, that like ten six in the the match tiebreak since they mm -hmm. were doing that format. But so it was a very very tight match, very very entertaining. Um, really, both of them were bringing it to each other, and you know that would that was more close to both of their peak forms. So this is probably a little bit lesser than that, but maybe it's it it just kind of evens out anyway, because yeah, Serena's looked 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 good. Not dominant quite yet, but obviously as, again, she just needs match play, she says. So, yeah. you know, just if she can get that, a win over Collins would be great. Um, and this is, in a lot of ways, a, a very nice opening week draw for her. But Collins, I, I think, will be will put up a good fight, as Buzernescu did in the second set, uh, second round. I will round. say, I think this is one of the matches where one of the sort of mini soft pockets in the draw is, is the other part of this little eighth. Where after Kvitova pulled out, after injuring herself, stepping, missing a step or something, leaving a TV studio and press causing harm to players, goodness. Um, Kvitova 
uh, gets to walk over to Vesnina, who then plays Rabakina, and Rabakina had a pretty soft draw playing Giacomo and Tibino in her first two matches. So I would think that whoever gets out of Collins, Serena, is a favorite in the fourth round against Rabakina or Vesnina, potentially. Unless Rabakina was having a, a, a Rabaka renaissance, and uh, that would be that'd be great. Um, but until then, I think that, you know, Serena gets a tough, potentially, third round that has a little bit of a respite, potentially, comparatively. In the fourth is sort of how I see things here. And then things ramp up real quick again in the next quarter because this next section is, is pretty loaded. All four seeds made it through to the third round in this section. Pretty A-list kind of names for tennis fans. Sabalenka plays Pavlyuchenkova, recent NCR guest. And Madison Keys plays against Victoria Azarenka. So all players who are, like, not clay lovers, per se. I mean, I think Pavlyuchenkova's fine on clay. I don't think it's her favorite or least favorite. But, like, not necessarily, like, pure clay players, but all good players and keys especially it's had good french open results of this of this group so yeah it's i don't really i think tablenka's been the informed player of the four but i could see this going i think i can literally say all four ways i could see all four of these of these of these players having things fall their way and, and getting out of this section what do you make of what do you make of azarenka keys yeah. and pavlichenko the sabalenka i mean i feel very very much about sabalenka as, as i feel about Shviantek a little bit at the moment oh, wow. okay. i i just That's don't think that she is in the mood to lose you know that that's that's kind of how, the sense that I get um I think that you know having played Pavlyuchenkova in Madrid will help her mm-hmm. in terms of just you know it's it's a it's a matchup that she's relatively familiar with because they just played a few weeks ago so you know I just I don't know I've I've been thoroughly impressed by Sabalenka throughout the clay season in Stuttgart in Madrid I just don't see um I don't know. It's it's I, I I've been thinking about a lot about um the draw the draw show that we did and how you were saying when we were going through the men's draw of like what does it even matter like going yeah. in micro because you when you know that Rafa is looming when you know Novak's looming you know et cetera et cetera and it feels at times a little bit like that for me with the women's draw where I just I really feel so strongly and should i put it out there if i put it out there it won't happen i'll look like an idiot but i feel okay. so strongly that it's a sweet tech um sabalenka final and it's and mm. that's a final that i don't know who will win because that's how comp- as much as i feel so big on on Shviantek and so big on sabalenka when they i don't know who would win that match i have no clue so that's kind of how that's where my head is at so i, I think- just it's not as open to me as i think i think it's a lot it about is. how i feel about Shviantek right now and I'm sort of like whoa like you're comparing Sablanka to Shviantek it's sort of like something like oh Coco <laughs> Goff's the new Serena I'm like whoa slow down it's like being like <laughs> you just like me a, a look a of like, hold on. I was like you know Shviantek is is doing things and 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 putting up scores and has the sort of major you know no question marks I mean again Sablanka I believe everything will transit but Sablanka still has not made a quarterfinal in her career 100%, 100%. so so you know part of me wants to slow that that down but yeah i i i, I like the excitement I, I i and i agree i was saying that with i said, I said it was, it was Shvantec, like seeing her here makes the whole rest of the chat like she's a big favorite in every match she plays i think in that top half for sure and maybe sablanka's there i think sablanka would be a favorite in every match she plays i don't think she's a good record against azarenka though um if they play in the fourth round i think that's been a tricky i know I she lost to her bad at the u.s open last year yeah the u.s open so, she did so I don't know different, how different that, Vika at that point, but yeah, no, Vika, definitely yeah, tricky. But, but that's the uh, you know I just don't and then Pavlyuchenkova like you know if you see if when the draw came out you someone told you oh Sabalenka is going to lose to Pavlyuchenkova you wouldn't be like wow shock like Pavlyuchenkova has been good no and for she's sure lots of wins like this so 100%. I think I think Sabalenka's path is is tough enough to make me take pause and then she gets Serena in the quarters too I don't and know, that's so. why but but I agree with everything that you have said in terms of her path and that tells you how confident I am in her that I, I like look it. at that same path and I'm like that's I don't see how she doesn't manage that I just I I was very impressive I was just very impressed I was just very impressed and I think that her mind is right and I think that again like I said in the in the draw show yes she hasn't make a, made a quarterfinal she had every right to make a quarterfinal at the Australian Open that match against Serena was amazing she mm-hmm. showed up she brought it she got beat fair but match, it's though. not that she is I just I don't think that she's going to choke this away. Oh my gosh, basically. that day that day was so good. That day was that crazy. bottom half day because it was Serena Sabalenka, Osaka, Muguruza, Muguruza. Osaka Halep, Shviantek, and then the fourth one was Shaysaway making quarterfinal against yep. Rondrosova, who was fine. But like, it was yep. an amazing day of, of a slate of four matches for sure. 
Yep. Alzheimer. Speaking of Androsheva, she is the high seed left in this bottom quarter of the draw, which we alluded to earlier, is the one that I think really has been emptied out of, of most of its marquee names. I mean, Naomi Osaka obviously exited the tournament. We walk over to Anna Bogdan in the second round. We've talked about that before. We'll probably talk about it again later, but not for right now. Bedosa is the next opponent. And we circle. We said Bedosa was, you know, a big kind of draw winner, maybe potentially once she got moved uh, or made Osaka's draw much tougher when Osaka was there. Seeing Bedosa in there. This is the section that lost Andrescu, it lost Benchich, it lost Burton's. So, and lost Kanta. So, number 20. It lost Kudermatova, most and importantly. Kudermatova, that was a big one, too. Yeah, you were, you were pretty high on her. In the, I in did the not show, see so. that, win, that win coming from Siniakova, but it, but she got it by the by yeah. just a, Seven, five in the, a in sliver. The yeah. So, so the names left. So, Zidansic, Tamara Zidansic plays against Katarina Siniakova, Kirstea versus Kasakina, Polona Herzog against Vondrosheva, and Bedosa versus Bogdan. I mean, honestly, looking at this draw, it feels like an international it does. I mean, it doesn't feel like a Grand Slam quarter, those names. It just doesn't. And after the sort of like, especially coming right down after the Azarenka Keys, Pavlyuchenkova, Sabalenka, you know, section, it's 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 a it's a it's a steep drop in the scroll on my on my on my page that I'm looking at here. But one of them is gonna be a semifinalist. And Courtney, you were saying earlier you have feelings or intuition or you know, sense of this draw. How do you how do you make sense of, of these these names here? I mean, yes, okay. I understand everything that you've just said, but at the same time, Siniakova, who comes in in form, having beaten Serena, Garcia, yep. blah blah blah, the only player to take a set off of Coco Golf in Parma. Like she's in form. has had a great clay season, uh made the final last week in where not whatever Strasbourg, mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, won Istanbul, I guess. So she's in form. Kasakina, two titles this year, former quarterfinalist yep. here. Von Joshua, former finalist. And we know how good Marquetta is and how talented she is. She's just not consistent. Yep. But you also know that she, like, on any given day can play great tennis. And it's been a very, very soft, you know, uh, draw for her outside of, you know, Kanepi first round, but she ended up bageling her in the third. Um, and then Bedosa <laughs> don't has just, just call Cousin Harmony very soft. <laughs> I see what you're doing there. And I don't love it, but keep going. And then with Bedosa, I mean, she was the name player for me at the start of this. It was yeah. it was between her and Kudermetova to, to get through into the semis out of this out of this quarter. And that remains. I mean, I think that a, a round of 16 against Vondrosheva, if that's Vondrosheva Bedosa, I find that to be a very, a very intriguing match. A solid, I, I think that's round. really, really interesting. But, you know, so, yes, I understand, you know, there's a whole section here with no seeds. A lot of players have gone out, but... These are informed players for the most part. Um, you know, even Zidansic, she made the, the final in Bogota to, to start the, the clay season. So mm. these aren't, you know, generally speaking, the players who have played well, again, that's why I think the Kudermetova loss is, is probably the only one that's really stunning to me so far. The players who have played well in the clay season are right there and in the mix. So they're going to they're gonna duke it out in that section. But I I don't know, man. I just think Bedosa's got a full head of steam, 15-2, and two, best win percentage on tour on clay yeah i don't know i don't know i don't i don't uh it's gonna take a lot to stop her i think and yeah, she's due i, I, I mean i i would love to see she's, Bidosa. she's my she's my sort of it's my hunch would be to go Bidosa on this for sure yeah. just because again she has momentum Fondrosheva, that's a legit fourth round and then i think whoever wins that is a got to be a favorite against unless unless we're really get, becoming into some sort of kasakana renaissance so if we see her like continue Could to put be. great scores uh, against Kirsten because she'd be benched two and two, which is very comprehensive. And then if she gets a good win over Zidansic or Siniakova after beating Kirsten in this hypothetical, then yeah, I could see her. You know, she's got more experience in in the second or in, in slams than any of these players. I mean, Vondrosov made that one run, but hasn't done it regularly. So Kasak, yeah, I think it's an interesting. It's, it's not like I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's like a notably different flavor, dramatically. Oh, I think, the rest of this draw. Yeah, hundred percent. But but yeah, it's it's. It's an interesting one, and and definitely look out for Zidansic. Honestly, I think that she's she's played really really well, and I was what can really you tell impressed folks about, by about, about Zidansic. I don't think people would know her that well as a. Uh... She's a three time junior national cha- uh, snowboarding champion in from Slovenia. There you um, go. That's a big one, um, and that's how she came to play tennis. Was that she was snowboarding and she was at a snowboard skiing camp, and in the summertime, obviously you can't be snowboarding and skiing, but they had tennis lessons, so she started playing mm-hmm. tennis and decided to play that had to decide between tennis and snowboarding and decided on tennis. Why might you ask? Well, we asked her the exact same thing. And she said, because it was too cold. <laughs> <laughs> she said, I was just I always, she's like, I hate the cold. I was always cold. 
so I played tennis. It's like uh, random, cool. I love uh, it. But yeah, but otherwise, yeah, she was a really, really good snowboarder. So there's all these kind of like puns you can have with the clay and the sliding and the snowboarding and all that sort of stuff. Do you know what kind of snowboarding she did, perchance? I don't. I have not asked that question. Um, I don't know if she's just like you know a, if she was a like a slope cam or a, or a slope. Yeah, it's slope a good question. She she yeah. she strikes me as as a, as a slope lady, not a half pipe lady. Mm-hmm. Um, it'd be cool if she did the border cross. <laughs> like a bunch of like Slovenian children just like barreling down trying to elbow each other going over jumps. I, I mean, Tamara she, doesn't strike me as as a border crosser. She strikes me as a slope style kind of gal. But Slo- Slovenia is not far from you know northeast Italy where Yannick Sinner's from, and so yep, you know, sort of a, a love to see the cross disciplinary uh, kids coming through. All right, yeah, so that's exactly. the draw. Those are the both draws, men's yep. and women's. Thank you, Courtney, for being on here on day five. Any any other sort of you know things you've enjoyed during this tournament? There's miscellany you didn't mention that has been been nice here. We obviously we go through this drop relatively granularly, so probably covered a lot of bases, but I don't know if there's anything worth mentioning before we, we sign um, up. No, I mean I I've you know, it was it was great. I mean some of the feel good stories of just kind of like seeing Carla back, you know, seeing Danielle uh you know play so well a costiuk after having a really, mm. really tough mention, time with things. We didn't mention so that's one thing we glossed over, actually, because that's yeah. in the section. That was tough seeing Garby hurt in that match, because that was yep. that's disappointing to lose Garby in that section. And um, this is the thing that we talk yeah. about, again, going back to the beginning, the timing, the, the luck yeah, that has to exactly. be involved in, in getting, you know, because we know how good Garby is. We know how, that she can obviously win this event, um, but just struggling with injuries the minute that the, the season flipped over to Clay is, is just brutal and ran out of time. But Kostiuk... You know, uh, one of the players, her and uh, Kaya Yuvan were two of the players I interviewed first round about, you know, COVID and getting it and getting it pretty bad. Like they mm. did not talk about it as though it was like no big deal, like a flu. Like, I mean, um, Kaya has really, really struggled to get her physicality back. Um, Kostiak mm. said that she was basically couch uh, riding the couch for a while because she couldn't she could bear she couldn't even walk around she couldn't mm. um uh, she was getting winded and stuff like that so bouncing back from all of that and kind of sh- lots of different drama she moved out um and her mom's her coach and so she needed to separate you know mom as coach versus mom as mom um and if you know Kostiuk's whole backstory kind of like with her mom and how like it's a very emo backstory of like she basically started playing tennis because her mom was a tennis coach and she, it was the only way that she could spend time with her mom I think we'll get to the Kostiak as sort of more protagonist <laughs> stuff later in her career because I think she is coming and rising. Yeah, but yeah. the Kostiak, the way she tells stories, like she is, she can bring the emo. Oh my gosh, yeah. 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 She, she yeah. I was talking to somebody about her today because they had just kind of listened to her. And from a audio. young age, she did that too. Yes. From yeah. like whatever, 15, 15, 16 years old. She's an incredible narrator of her own life and her own yeah. career. She, to me, reminds me of Bachinsky, but emo. Mm. Whereas yeah. Tamea is very philosophical. And very kind of, you know, life is beautiful, but difficult, but out of the difficulty is the beauty. There's this positive philosophical spin that Tamea would bring to things. Kostiuk brings the emo. So it's just always like, how you doing? It's like, well, where do I even begin? And like, yeah. you know, 45 minutes but, later, you're like, and second question. <laughs> but we are here to listen, as always. Exactly, you know? exactly. So. No, so, yeah. So so I've, I've liked that. We saw Ann Lee come back after an abdominal tear ruled her out of much of the the season um and nearly post like a double bagel in her first round but she lost in the second round um to Svitolina but yeah so it's it's been nice to see especially for for me like having to you know as somebody who covers the tour week in week out like I'm used to seeing a lot of these players, but for me, the first rounds are about those players that I don't get to see at the tour level very often for a variety of reasons, ranking or injuries or whatever. So it was just nice to see a lot of those players, like just kind of have a nice little moment in in the first opening rounds. So that's been my takeaway. I've had a nice little moment with you here, Courtney. It's been lovely. Thanks for coming on NCR as always. A Uh, pleasure. And we want to thank everyone who's joined on to our Patreon since our last show. A few new people to thank. We're doing this whole like 300 backers for 300 episode whatever gimmick thing. Uh, and thank people who... You I know, love I don't that you know, called whatever. it a gimmick. 
<laughs> whatever it is it, it's a drive it's a push hoping people are enjoying the show it's a pledge drive yeah yeah pledge drive we have a bunch of several new backers actually since our last show pavly chenkova you know that's the content people wanted apparently so that's been good to hear i thought you were gonna say pavs backed us i was like did she uh, no, i don't think she had no active player no. i don't think any active players are currently backing which you know if they want to they're certainly getting paid enough uh please welcome to the backing list new backers since the last show caitlin goss janelle erickson jennifer paddock Max Garone and Greg Rails. So thank you to all of them. Thanks, guys and, and gals. Thank, and thank you to our Slam Champ backers who thank every episode. Susanna W., Sean Mulroy, Mary Carrillo, Leah Williams, Liz Cannell, Jonathan Weinbaum, Jean Simeon, James Hindle, Audrey Wellens, Antonio Maycumber, Anna Valinder, and Timothy Liu, and our GOAT backers, Mike, Nicole Copeland, Pam Shriver, and J-O-D. I was thinking the other day, like, if I ever, like, start, you know, when, if and when I get back to traveling the tournaments, I have to bring my little, like, note card of, like, backer names with like, you will. On, the, on the desk because it's very, very handy. I don't, I'm not doing that from memory every time. Um, I, I don't know if I said patreon.com slash no challenge remaining where we are if you want to support the show, which has been the daily so far during the French Open. I, that might keep up all the way. We'll see. And, uh, yeah, and it's been lovely. Courtney and happy. And we'll see you. Next time, do you have like an emo song you want to close out with? We ended on an emo note. I don't know. If oh, it's we like want to go emo? I don't know. Do dashboard, we? We don't have ba- to. Dashboard, con- dashboard confessional screaming into fidelities. Go for it. All right. Let's just bring it down a notch here and say goodbye. Bye, folks. Bye, folks. He asked. I, I, you know what? I, I did ask for that. For me, I wish that I was an